0: Legendary oceanographer Sylvia Earle has spent eight decades exploring underwater, and she has good news. Areas that are protected, you can see recovery. How We Save the Ocean, part two of our series on the TED Radio Hour from NPR. From NPR Music, this is All Songs Considered. I'm Anne Powers, critic and correspondent for NPR Music. I'm here today to celebrate Joni Mitchell's album, Blue one of the greatest sonic treasures of the 20th century, and a record that I've returned to innumerable times throughout my life. This month is a special one for me and for so many people because it's Blue's 50th anniversary. It's a chance to reflect on this unforgettable bouquet of songs, the most personal album ever, one of the most meticulously crafted, and one that's helped so many people deal with heartbreak and understand themselves better. I count myself among that multitude. On June 22nd, the 50th anniversary itself, we hosted a live listening party on NPR Music's YouTube channel with none other than Brandi Carlile, one of Joni Mitchell's greatest interpreters and her good friend. We started with All I Want and ended with The Last Time I Saw Richard. And then Brandi and I had a conversation about Radical Vulnerability, Brandi's passion project to learn Blue and perform it on stage in Los Angeles in 2019, and what Joni's been working on now, with a little help from Brandy herself. But first, Brandy shared her journey with Blue, an album she didn't quite understand at first.
1: It's nice to listen to it so intuitively. Like you know, to understand every drum fill and every lyric, and how Joni never makes sense, and nothing ever rhymes, and and no verse is ever the same length as the verse before it. Um, it, it's fun to know that. I feel like I learned a language. That's what it feels like. You can consider Blue Joni finally introducing herself to you and asking you if you can accept her as. We we take her as she is, and um, you know this is where you decide on this album whether to get on board with Joni and continue the journey or not. Brandy, you explored a new form of, uh,
0: I guess, uh, well, of autobiographical work. I was going to say confession. That's such a complicated term. We can talk about that. Publishing your amazing memoir, Broken Horses, this year, which you you yourself wrote, and I know you went to deep places for that. And I wonder if that experience also changed how you think about Joni as an autobiographical or confessional writer. She's so much more than that. She's, she's not just that, but I wondered if that experience and everyone should get that memoir, if you haven't, um, how that might've changed your understanding of Joni.
1: Well, it makes me wonder how the hell she did it in her (laughs) twenties. As a person that had to wait till they were 40, I'm, I'm astounded every day at, at Joni Mitchell's foresight and insight into herself and her femininity and her womanhood at that at that age is pretty bone crushingly honest and vulnerable in like the strongest possible way well let's talk about your
0: journey with blue i know that you have a story that you shared before of how you felt you didn't really understand joanie but it was this album that and and your wonderful wife Catherine who brought you to this experience?
1: Yeah. T-Bone Burnett tried to play blue for me first in, when I was in my early twenties, I was in the studio with him making the story and I didn't even get past all I want because the line, you know, I want to talk to you. I want to shampoo you comes along and I'm just like rolling my eyes at this point. I'm like, Oh God, that is the most trite, ultra feminine, heteronormative, I, I can't, I just can't even with that. And like the fact that he was playing that for me right then and there, when I was wanting to make a record, that was, I want to be tough. You know, I wanted to scream and yell and have a wide gate and an electric guitar. And, and that made me think he was really on the wrong track and in my psyche in that moment in time and cut to, I'm getting ready to turn 30 and I've met my, the love of my life, my wife, Catherine, and we, we met in Northern Michigan, a place called Interlock to um, see if we were going to be something and because she's she's a Londoner so we weren't getting to spend very much time together until we were conscious about it conscientious about it so we each bring an album to play for each other which is like the true test of you know whether it's going to work out and she played blue and I got to that lyric and I started laughing I want to talk to you Life is a cause. when I think your kisses, my, my sauce. you see, do you see, do you see how... She's like, what? And I was like, oh, God, I want to talk to you. I want to shampoo you. This is the lyrical visionary. This is our Shakespeare that everybody talks about. And I was just laughing and making light of it. And she was like, what is it that you think is so weird about that or, or not great about that lyric? And I was like, it's just not, it's not very tough. And it just feels really submissive and, you know, ooh. She's like you. You never listened to past that moment, that song, and like you cannot judge Joni by any lyric. But I'm gonna change your perspective on you know in that lyric. Do you know what Little Green is about? And I was like, no. So she told me, played it for me, and it just it blew my heart wide open. Born with the moon in Cancer. June. She will to green and the winters cannot fade her. Green for the who made her green. And then she didn't talk to me. Mm-hmm. I think because she wanted me to sit with that album. We listened to the whole thing in silence. And I suddenly realized like if this is the next stage of my life, if I'm in love, if I'm moving on to some other realm, I need to reconsider what what's tough. Radical vulnerability.
0: I mean, uh, on your uh, tour, your virtual tour for your memoir, I believe you did an event with Brene Brown, did you not, I think? Yeah. So I wonder if you think of Blue in connection to similar ideas of vulnerability that Brene is expressing in her work.
1: I do, and I also take comfort in the fact that I'm not the only one that got so uncomfortable by Joni Mitchell's vulnerability that I, I turned my back on it for a decade it's radical and it's not supposed to be taken lightly. And so I'm glad that it found me when it was supposed to find me. And
0: it became such a cornerstone of uh, your and Catherine's uh, relationship. Do you have a day or an evening, an anniversary of listening to Blue? Do you share that with her? Well, now you share much more Joni experience, which we can talk about with her, but have you sat with her recently and listened to Blue with Catherine?
1: We, if I'm really honest with you, we listen to it basically every day. So wow. every day, at least every day, it's on all the time. It's just one of those things where it's in constant rotation in our house and it makes us feel good and we dance and we play with the kids and they know all the words. And it's just like, it's such a soundtrack and the narrative of our, of our uh, life, our family. I love
0: it. That's so romantic.
1: (laughs) But now it's not the only one. Now it's like, it's Hajira and it's the hissing of summer lawns and it's ladies of the Canyon and for the roses. It's, it's all of them now. Blue was the
0: work though of Joni's that you decided to take on, you know, we're both from Washington state and we know a lot of mountaineers and this is sort of like the seven summits, you know, this is like (laughs) all of them in one you're climbing the mountain. So, so let's talk about that experience. Um, you as a musician approaching Blue and I got to witness uh, some of the rehearsals and the performance and you know I have many questions but let's just like hone down to the essence like the process of making that decision and then kind of moving toward the moment of your your genuine triumph when you performed it
1: and Joni was there by the way. <laughs> Joni was there it, it, you know you saw in the rehearsals like what I went through and the honor and the anxiety and I'm such a W northern sociopath I was bursting into tears it was something I don't know why I um, wanted to do it until I, until it was finished you know I thought it was important to do because I had just seen Johnny turn 75 and I saw all these people interpret you know music from her entire catalog and the whole arc of her of her career but I thought about blue and what it was to me and what it was what it is to so many people. Um, It's like holding up a mirror in front of themselves and and coming to terms with with themselves. And I thought, man, maybe I could just like as a gift, just learn blue, not try to reinvent the wheel and obviously not try to be Joni either, because that's not physically possible. But get as close as I could remove as much ego as possible and just give people blue, you know. And that's what I did. That's what I, that's what I wanted to do. But just like everything, Joni, it was such a journey.
0: It was an amazing journey and it was an amazing night. And I think people did feel that gift. And one of the things you did was put together an amazing group of musicians, including the Hanseroth twins who were part of it, of course, but also um, John Coward who led the group and who has worked with Joni in the past, along with Brian blade and Russ Kunkel played drums. And that, leads to me asking you about the instrumentation on this album and your insights into it. Because, of course, Russ plays drums on the only songs on this album that have drums. There's three songs on the album that have drums. So, so this album's instrumentation is very particular. It's spare, yeah. but it's also carefully arranged, I think. And how, how do you hear it, the arrangements?
1: I, think, I imagine that people that don't listen to it every day hear it and how they remember it at times yes. so like, yeah. you don't think there's only drums on three songs because it's so groovy and there's so much rhythm in it but it's even more spare than you think because you never felt like it was lacking or naked either it's just kind of this perfect album where until you start deconstructing the layers and the instrumentation you realize that what makes it sound so full and so groovy and so revolutionary is just total cohesion the wind is in from Africa. Last night, I couldn't sleep. Oh, you know, it sure is hard to leave you Carrie, but it's really not my home. And so all the players are like really important. And if you talk to people who are molecularly and intimately aware of what's happening in blue, they want to talk about it in really surgical, really technical terms. I remember James Taylor calling me at the airport And keeping me on the phone for over 45 minutes because he was so meticulous about the guitar part that he played that he wanted to make sure it was perfect. The tuning, the timing, where the mic placement was, because he couldn't be there. He had a dental surgery and it was crushing him. And so (laughs) I listened to all this shit, not knowing anything of what he was saying. I didn't understand any of it, but I'm like, got it. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) People are so passionate about what went into making blue and why it's it might be the greatest record of all time.
0: We'll take a quick break. You're listening to All Songs Considered.
1: Support for NPR and the following message come from BetterHelp, offering online counseling. BetterHelp therapist Hesu Jo shares the unique benefits of therapy. Being in therapy is this very intimate, unique experience to have this other person see you, this other person acknowledge who you are and accept all of it, you know, and like figure out the bits and pieces that you don't want to accept to change that stuff for the better. Even if you're not struggling with something necessarily, but you just want to learn a little bit more about who you are, you want to function a little bit better in your relationships with people or change the way that you approach habits, doing that together with somebody else can be very powerful and impactful to talk this out and process this together as two humans. To get matched with a counselor and get 10% off your first month, go to betterhelp.com songs.
0: It's All Songs Considered. I'm Ann Powers. Now back to my conversation with Brandy Carlisle about Joni Mitchell's Blue. Streaming is a strange thing, and I'm sure you, as an artist, probably sometimes look at the most popular songs of yours that are streaming, and you're like, really? <laughs> but the most popular song, Streaming from Blue, is a case of you. And I I think I can understand that, but I have my opinions about why that might be true. But I wonder what you think it is about a case of you that appeals to so many people. Why is that the one that stands out?
1: I liken it to hallelujah. It's so specific in in what it's saying. I mean, hallelujah is biblically and historically accurate, but what hallelujah means to me is me coming to terms with my faith and my queerness and that tension that's in that juxtaposition. A case of you is similar in that it's it's so specific from Prince to James Blake to to me. You're watching these American artists squeeze their eyes shut and sing oh Canada like like they mean it. <laughs> it's true. It's, it's so specific that it means a different thing to each of us. And it's because like when you are interpreting, when you're singing and you're telling the truth, you know it. And it doesn't really matter whose truth it is through a map of Canada
0: I, would still be on my I love that you mentioned Leonard Cohen because of course the song is supposedly about Leonard Cohen, who was an early mentor and lover of Joni's and um, but also about James Taylor though, kind of merging and there, you know, Joni, I think such a driven driven to be an artist at every moment of her life, often connected intimately with her collaborators. To me, it's the most sensual and and erotic song on the album. And it's about, stamina. I (laughs) can match you in passion. And I know nothing and care nothing about the intricacies of those relationships. But I think you were talking about when you first uh, heard Blue and how it felt so feminine. To me, that is a moment when Joni kind of like goes beyond uh, the stereotypical feminine. And she is like, that is like full on rock and roll, sexual, sensual. I could drink a case of you and still be on my feet. <laughs> That's
1: what I hear. Isn't it? <laughs> it's amazing because it's like, I hear a totally different thing. And this That's is so why.
0: interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, I met a, a woman, she had a mouth like yours. She knew your life. She knew your devils and your deeds. And she said, go to him be with him if you can, but be prepared to bleed. But then she ends the song by saying, but I could drink a case of you and still be on my feet. And the way I hear that is I can love you endlessly and still hold on to every bit of myself. Oh, I love it! I love that we can love each other, but I won't find the ground for you. And it's interesting because I I so, I see it as such a prof- like a strength. Oh, it, absolutely! No,
0: it is strength. <laughs> it's just you know, it's maybe it's all things. I think you know. <laughs> <Basically>, I mean,
1: because <laughs> you <know>? it's <laughs> like that's why it's like a, like hallelujah in that way,
0: you know. Yeah, no, totally. And, you know, the second most popular streaming song on uh, Blue is California. And speaking of James Taylor, he plays on that song. Russ Conkle plays on that song. And also speaking of perhaps interpretations and misinterpretations, perhaps I am. Who knows? We we can all interpret and misinterpret as we as we want with this album because it's such a rich text. Mm-hmm. My funny story about California is for several years, possibly a decade, I thought, when she said, I'll even kiss a sunset pig. I, I never been to LA and I was convinced there was a statue of a pig, like <laughs> near the Troubadour, which I knew about. <laughs> <Me too. laughs> I didn't know that that was a way of talking about a police officer.
1: <laughs> Is that what she's saying? Yes, she said it's I, about I like it some landmarky thing like the Pike Place. Um, I know me too. I was like, like <laughs> right, exactly.
0: No, that's exactly, see, Washingtonians. We have our, oh, <laughs> our landmarks. But no, it's it's a line. Actually, it refers to the riots that happened on Sunset Strip, the alleged riots that happened, that were kids uh, protesting police officers, kind of getting in their face about being out at night. So that's sort of where it comes from, I think. But um, but what about that song California? Because that's an interesting song on the record. Many of the songs on the record, not all, they go to such a deep and maybe dark. Place, you know, the most famous quote uh, from Joni about this record is I was like a piece of cellophane. That's how transparent my emotions were. But California, it's like a top down drive to the beach kind of song. All the California,
1: California, coming home. I'm going to see the folks I dig. I'll even kiss a sunset pig. California, I'm coming home. I mean, I've had the privilege of going and and sitting across from Joni while she plays her solitaire and and drinks her wine. And she tells you the stories of the Greek and Isle. And she tells you the stories of meeting the drifters and the bohos. And it's like remarkably vibrant. And so I feel like when I'm listening to that song, like I'm sitting across from Joni and she's playing her solitaire. (laughs) <laughs> you tell me about the guy that could cook real good you know it's like that's who she really is so it to me that even if it doesn't is not as vulnerable it's definitely self-revealing because that's yeah. what, what happened you can tell <laughs> it's the
0: adventurer you know that I think that's another thing about this record that You know, this was a time kind of late 60s, early 70s, when all these texts are emerging, whether they're novels or films about like women adventurers. You have Erica Jong, Fear of Flying, you know, soon you have the film Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. You have these like this image of the free woman, but the complexities and difficulties and oppression that free women face. I mean, Mm
1: -hmm. for me, that's another important theme. Yeah. And it continues, I think, off of blue and throughout her career as she did wilder and wilder things and took breaking down cars across the country, you know, a lot long after Blue had, had come out. She's, she has stayed so boho and free. Absolutely. And you, you've been hanging out
0: with Joni a lot in recent years, and you've actually been working a little bit with her on her archive.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about what that's been like? Well, I'm not really working with her on her archive any more than just listening um to her stories sometimes and, and letting her play stuff. It's I think the fun thing about Joni's archives are that like I think a lot of people would assume that, you know, a 76-year-old performer that we don't hear a whole lot from, you know, doesn't do a lot of press or perform much and is really quite happy being a painter, although not lonely, mm-hmm. is that she's doing this herself. And it's completely fueled by enthusiasm, innocence, and kind of an affection for her younger music and younger self that you kind of always hope Joni would have. And she really has it. So it's fun listening to her embrace her early self and, and smile at her lyrics and laugh. And there's a lot of joy in it. So when people are getting these archives, like they're getting something that Joni Mitchell is going through meticulously in her kitchen. My 40th birthday, I was in LA and COVID's over in terms of Joni's world. She's vaccinated and her friends that we jammed together over at Joni's house, we're all vaccinated. So we were like, should we get back together and, and do a jam again? Got to Joni's house and and Eldon John was there and, and it was really, really fun, but they put 40th birthday balloons around the house and they say, me, yeah, happy birthday. And And gave me a present and I I got this big gift and I thought it was going to be a blown up photograph of like Blue, the show or, um, you know, one of our jams or something like that. And so I start unwrapping it and I pulled back the first bit of wrapping paper and I saw paint. And I realized that I was being given (laughs) Johnny paintings (laughs) and uh, it was just I was was speechless like I am now. It took my totally took my breath away, Um, made me want to cry, which I didn't do. She called me over to to explain it to me, and she said it was called the shaman. She's like, he's over here in the right-hand corner. I went through an abstract phase in the 80s, and this is him doing his mojo. She goes in and in his mojo, and she looks me in the eye in this really rare way that she does, and she goes, there's a lot of blue. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Brandy, it's so great to virtually see you. I hope to see you in the flesh soon. And to everyone out there, this is a special album to share. It's a special album to listen to alone. And if you can catch Brandy's interpretations of the album, they're beautiful. I think we should make this a national holiday myself. So oh, I yeah. guess a North American holiday. Canada has to be in on it too. So.
1: <laughs> oh, Canada, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> your face sketched on it twice (laughs) i love it we talk about blue all
0: freaking day and oh i know thank you so much brandy (laughs) just before our love got lost you said i am as
1: constant as a northern star and i said constantly in the darkness where's that at if you want me i'll be in the bar